Welcome to the first episode of Courage and Other C-Words. As small business owners, we're feeling the impacts of this global health crisis on several fronts, but we're hanging in there. Join me as I share how COVID-19 has affected both the alcohol market and our cider company, and how we're keeping the cider flowing during these trying times. Here it is, the first episode. Welcome to Courage and Other C-Words. I am so excited that I finally made it to this point that the concept of a podcast has actually come up a few times throughout our startup journey, and I always brushed it off. Just there was always too much other work to do, and I just never thought that we had enough to talk about or that our story would be interesting to people that they would want to actually listen to it. (laughs) But that was five years ago. And recently, I've had a chance to think about what a potential podcast could look like. And I've finally come to a point where I feel strongly that the lessons we've learned and the experiences we've had starting this company and keeping it going could be helpful for others. Along with that, being a woman myself, I do believe that the woman's experience in the craft industry in general is unique and very illuminating. And in sharing stories of my own perspective and others, I hope to inspire you, inspire others to keep doing the awesome, amazing work that you're doing, or to join us and add another female voice to this industry. It is very much needed. Before I talk about what is going on today in the cider world, I should talk a little bit about the last few years and talk about where we've come because not all of you lovely listeners will know about South City Cider Works. So I think it's very important to do a little bit of a brief intro, kind of lay the context for this podcast. As Alex and I are the founders, the proud founders of South City Cider Works, we started our first batch of hard apple cider in the spring of 2015 and got into the industry for the sole purpose of making just easy drinking, approachable cider. Just keep it simple, keep it true to the apple, keep it easy. We currently have a small production space in San Bruno. For those of you who don't know, that's just south of San Francisco, where we do all of our fermenting, blending, filtering, and packaging for all of our ciders. And for reasons that I will absolutely get into in later episodes, we do not at the moment have a tasting room or a space that can be open to the public, just in case you are now inspired to seek us out. Something we've been trying and working on, um, but has just never materialized. So also, because I will be talking a lot about the cider and the alcohol market on this podcast, I thought it might be a little helpful to run through some jargon that we use on a daily basis in sales. And I think the, the Brewers Association really did a nice breakdown as far as sort of the average breakout of sales and what those customers look like for cideries and breweries like us. And 20% of sales on average for a place like us is to off-premise accounts. So those are your grocery stores, your markets, your liquor stores. It's anywhere that you can buy alcohol that you want to then consume somewhere else. 45% of sales goes to on-premise accounts, which you can probably assume um, what that means. Those are your local bars. They're your restaurants. It's where you consume drinks where you buy them on site, on premise. 
And for many, the rest of sales comes from a tap room or sales direct to consumer or across a bar, like at a brewery or a cidery. And since we don't have a tap room, our breakdown pre-COVID was around 30% off-premise and 70% on-premise. So about five years into the, into the world of cider, we sold the majority of our cider in kegs to bars. And for this reason, uh, we have really focused on making sure we have an array of packaging of ciders for people to purchase so that we can really hit both on-premise and off-premise with lots of options. We actually started the company in 2015 with 100% packaged in cans, and we will get into all of this in later episodes, but we were 100% in cans and then slowly built that out. So over the years, it became cans, 12-ounce cans and kegs that were available for sale. And then 2017, we went from cans and kegs and added bottles for our dry and dry hop ciders. And we really only recently middle of last year in 2019, had finally settled on two sizes of kegs for bars and restaurants and two sizes of cans, uh, 12 ounces and 16 ounces for for bars and restaurants, of course, but then also um, for the shelves at grocery stores. So no more bottles, kegs and cans, easy, done. Needless to say, by the end of 2019, we were four and a half years in, We had gotten to the point where we had chosen our packaging. We were happy with that. We had chosen our branding. We had done a big rebrand in 2017. We had gotten a bunch of tanks to really scale up with production and really looking at how to then build out our larger sales team and really increase our market with distribution. So 2020 was looking to be a really banner year for the company. We were really excited. We felt we had set it up really as best we could. And then the world fell apart as we all know, because we are experiencing it still in October. Though it would be really great to talk about where the company was going, how we had grown. I really do think that I need to talk about COVID for this first episode, unfortunately. And it has been definitely a roller coaster. And I, I thought it would be really interesting to share kind of how, how our journey has been, even just over the last few months of dealing with a precedent-setting international pandemic. So at the very beginning of all of this, I would say probably around February, the pandemic really felt so far away. It was some other country's problem, it was some other state's problem. And, and that was that was until uh, about early March when it, it finally hit the Bay Area. It was, of course, the weekend before St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day, of course, is a huge day in for the alcohol industry. And we were having a great brunch that weekend with friends in Burlingame. I do remember this really like it was yesterday. And it, I also think, was the last time we ate inside, now that I think of it. It's a while ago. Um, that was the first time we heard through the grapevine that a notice had just been released for a shelter-in-place order, words that we all know very well now. <laughs> Who knew? And that was that all six counties around San Francisco would put this shelter-in-place order in for two weeks. So in retrospect, actually, it is very impressive that all six counties came together around that same order at the same time. Those are There are three huge urban spaces of San Francisco, San Jose, and Oakland around this Bay Area. So the whole fact that they all came together uh, to put the shelter-in-place order in place 
um, was really fantastic. And I think definitely helped reduce some of those early surges of the virus that we saw elsewhere. So for that, I'm very grateful. However, this also meant that practically overnight, all eating establishments, bars, public places, everything was shut down. Uh, and initially, that was only for two weeks. So overnight, we lost about 70% of our revenue, as I was just talking about earlier. 70% of our sales was in kegs to bars, and that just completely bottomed out. It was an absolute nightmare. Um, but also, I think for me, really hard to imagine that, it, that this would last, that this was actually setting the stage for a new reality. It, at that point, of course, you just want to be super positive and think that we'll all just get over this really quickly and move on with our lives. And even though I didn't fully appreciate what this would mean for us as a business until it actually happened uh, later that week, we did close up shop. I remember that. We closed up shop for a minute to assess the situation. Everyone pretty much stayed home that week and kind of helped us get our bearings. It seemed like we should be going into panic mode from what I remember. Uh, it was really numbing. And I, I thought that this would be fine. Uh, everything would be fine in a couple of weeks. This is a temporary lockdown and uh, it would all go back to normal. But that obviously, uh, looking back, was a very, very wrong thing to think about. So a couple of weeks turned into a couple more weeks and the shelter in place was continued into May. It was at that time, I think at the beginning of April, when we were like, oh, this is really going to happen. This is going to keep happening for at least another month that we just kicked into gear. We realized that we had to adapt and we had to adapt quickly. And so this consisted of three different steps. And the first was really the worst, honestly. We, I had to furlough our delivery driver, Chris. There just wasn't enough cider going out the door to give him enough work. And, uh, and that, that was just really heartbreaking. The second was that we were noticing that though people were staying at home, alcohol was flying off the shelves. I seemed to be perpetually behind the eight ball as the cider would just be gone so much quicker than before the lockdown. Uh, so with that information, we started canning like crazy. Before COVID, I would say we were canning maybe twice a month. And then starting in April, we were running that canning line literally every week. Uh, we also had a decent amount of cider in kegs that obviously we couldn't sell because they weren't going into bars. So we moved all of that cider back into tanks, recarbonated it, and then, sure, go ahead and can it. So that included 500 gallons of molded over, which is our winter seasonal. It also included 300 gallons of our specialty batch from Cider Week, which was Passion for Ginger. That went straight into cans. Uh, that one didn't even get a fancy label. That was just a solid DIY job with some Avery labels in our office printer. It was not my finest work, but it did, it did what it needed to do. And the third was contactless curbside. So curbside pickup. And honestly, this was, this was a really tough move for me because the city of San Bruno never let us set up a tap room over the five years that we were in business. We have never had to ask people to come to us to get cider. That was just became never a part of our sales plan. However, in those first couple of months of shelter in place, curbside pickup became a great way for people to get their cider so that they could avoid another trip to the store, which I didn't even think about until we were literally in it. So in setting up, I was especially concerned about the potential exposure to our team with people coming in and picking up. Um, but after seeing how others were successfully rolling it out 
at restaurants uh, around the bay. We got all of the PPE, got the sanitizing wipes. I got a few signs made at Staples, and we set up a weekly pickup on Thursdays and Fridays. So early on, the revenue that came in through curbside was a huge help to us. People really came out of the woodwork in a way I was not expecting. It was really awesome. And if you are out there listening and you picked up cider during that time, thank you so much uh, for coming by because that that support just means the world to us and, and really helps with those first couple of months while we were all trying to figure out what the hell was going on, basically. So I'd, I'd say that with those three things, about a month maybe um, of doing all that, we were getting into a really nice rhythm with it. We were canning cider, we were stocking shelves, reworking our sales strategy to be contactless, and really focusing on supporting those off-premise grocery store partners. There was talked of phase opening, reopening, allowing for outdoor seating, I think somewhere like early July. And, and we thought that that was going to help a little bit with an uptick of sales, but that it would be a very slow process. You know, they kept delaying shelter in place because for the fear of reopening. And so we really were hoping that that reopening would be very phased and very slow. An order came out and it hit like 3 p.m. on a Wednesday. And all of a sudden, as long as you had food, you could open outdoor seating and serve alcohol. So within 24 hours, I was getting requests from all sides for keg orders, which was great, except that I didn't have any kegs because we had already put everything in cans. So here we were, again, at the 11th hour, pivoting again back into kegs, which, of course, it's easy to put kegs into cans, but it's not like you can do the other way around. So we basically went with just our two flagship ciders, the semi-sweet and our dry. And on top of that, so many of our kegs were still out in the market from the bars that had closed. So we had to go on this massive scavenger hunt to find kegs to even fill because we didn't have that many at the cidery. And it was, it was just like the biggest stress mess. Um, I'm still like very thankful, of course, for the reopening. But man, I just, I feel it's been a constant kind of no warning for these action items that then everyone has to pivot and react to. And it's really just added uh, so much stress to an already stressful time. But of course, that's what we do. We, we pivoted, we adapted, uh, we, we started filling kegs on kind of a smaller scale, of course, than we did before, really focusing on those two flagships. And, uh, and that seemed to kind of get back into yet another rhythm. So things were starting to look a little bleak on a number of levels. That was uh, about four months in. And we were sitting at about 40% loss in revenue, I would say, uh, slightly up from the spring, thanks to some of the increase in those keg sales mid-summer. But the off-premise sales, though they started really strong at the beginning of the shelter-in-place, they had really slowed down. Uh, I think people were, were not buying as much. They were buying super bulk uh, so that they could kind of save a trip to get out. And, and just that, that rush for off-premise sales, I, I think, had dried up a little bit. Curbside for us had also slowed, I think, for the same reasons. Uh, so we did have to scale that back to just the last Friday of the month. So we're about a couple months into that now. It's still fine, but um, definitely didn't see kind of that constant din like we did at this in the spring. Uh, on the supply side, there's a, there was a huge rush on cans because everyone needed to go package. 
And so trying to get inventory has been nearly impossible. I think I'm on three wait lists for cans right now and had to just buy, uh, basically pay for an entire truck freight cost to get two pallets from Washington and was just very, very happy that I could get those two pallets kind of at whatever cost these days. So um, that has been a, a tremendous stress that I don't think any of us really were thinking was going to happen. Um, and then... And then in August, just heartbreaking in Northern California, the fire started and we, we usually get a little bit of a delay on that fire season and have, have kind of the really big, bad fires in October, November, but it's just been so dry and things are changing um, on, a, on a climate level so fast that, that they really hit with a vengeance. It was like one night of lightning and we were all really excited to get some rain and then kind of woke up to kind of the whole world on fire and still on fire. California, the whole West, it seems, is is still on fire. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking. Bars and restaurants had invested so much into pivoting to that outdoor dining. And it's just another wave after another wave. It's overwhelming. Um, the air is just so bad. And we appreciate that so many have mobilized to fight these fires and that the communities uh, rise to the challenge of supporting those who were displaced and those who are on the front lines. And that is just amazingly humbling. And we try to do everything we can to support those efforts. The fire season apparently like just started in October and yet we've already saw just record breaking fires from the last couple of months and the, the hits, the hits just keep on coming this year. It seems they're just, Nobody can, nobody can get a break. So honestly, I, I think it finally sunk in midway through September that we were in this for the long haul. I know, I know it's, it's a bit of time to finally get to that point. But at the beginning, we all, I was always saying, you know, let's grab a pint on the other side. And it finally really hit me that there is no other side that we're, this is, this is the next side. That the, not going back to whatever normal that was. We're, we're in it, and this is it. Um, it sounds like a vaccine might possibly happen mid-2021, which would be lovely. Um, I know some places are now opening at quarter capacity for inside dining, which is fantastic. We're excited for them for that. But uh, moratorium on evictions is lifting at the end of February, and we're having some issues getting another stimulus bill through. And so I, I just feel like... The, those hits I was just talking about, they're just, they're going to keep, keep coming and, uh, and it's just going to be a potential massacre for, for our industry. On top of that, it was actually really interesting. I just happened upon these statistics that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce survey found that the number of female business owners who ranked their business overall health as good during these last few months uh, fell about 13 points to just uh, just about 47%. So less than half of female business owners think that they're, they're doing okay right now. And that's in contrast to the number of male business owners reporting a good business health status. That only fell five points to about 62%. So we are already at a few disadvantages due to being businesswomen, uh, not being as confident in ourselves, not willing to make risky decisions, making our voices heard to funders or customers, and now we have this huge blow to not only our bottom line, but to the general outlook of our businesses. I thought that was 
that was illuminating. Um, so bottom line is I know we will get through this. I do have faith in that. We have an amazing team. They've really rolled with the punches this year. We do have a couple projects on the horizon that I'm really excited about. We're making a bone dry cider and a fall seasonal cider for a local grocery chain. They have they were our first off-premise uh, account when I was starting out doing sales in, in 2015, and they have just been amazing partners for the last few years. Uh, a brewery in Fresno has reached out to us to make a cider for them, which is really exciting. We're focusing on building out new accounts for off-premise sales and expanding options at existing accounts. And mainly, we're just going to keep canning and kegging and trucking along. It's all we can do right now. And as long as I can find enough cans, we, we, will, just, we will just make sure that, that we keep going forward. So I feel like there is some hope, and, and those projects are really exciting. But uh, I know the, the world is still in a pretty bleak place. And to sort of end on a more personal level, it has been just so difficult for me to wrap my head around what has been going on and personally adapt to the changing circumstances. For the last seven or eight months, I feel like I had been saying that this pandemic is not going to end anytime soon, that there is no other side. But as I was mentioning earlier, I, I don't feel like I really believed that until much later. And I definitely, my actions were definitely not mirroring what I was saying at all. I somehow allowed us to completely run out of flagship, filled flagship cans in June. I'm still having issues pack purchasing packaging inventory in time for canning. Like I internalize everything and find myself having just crazy dreams and sleepless nights. It has been a huge personal struggle for me to stay on top of things and keep leading this team when I feel like I'm constantly just on the brink of losing control of everything. And, uh, and that has been really disorienting to say the least. And one thing that has been really, really hard through all this is uh, not being able to keep my team whole. That was really a goal at the very beginning of this. Um, and that as long as I could, really, I wanted to support our employees and try to ease the burden of this crisis for them. In the spring, when the deliveries dried up, I had to lay off our delivery driver, like I talked about. He had been with us for eight or nine months. He was finally catching his stride. Uh, and then recently, we had to make the difficult decision to let our outside sales lead go. He had really helped us build our brand in the Bay Area for the last few years, and he was just such an integral part of the team. But it just got to the point with both of them that there just there wasn't enough money coming in to make it possible to cover them at the capacity that they had been hired, and that was that was just really hard to take. That was that was really heartbreaking. So, for sort of all of these reasons tied up together. I am here creating this podcast for you. I feel like this will be an incredible outlet for me to share those difficult moments and also the successes that we have along the way. We have had many. We will have more. Maybe I'm looking for solace in the stories of others to know that it's not just me who's dealing with these issues. Whatever it turns out to be, I'm excited at the thought that I can tell my story and uh, let go of some of this stuff that I've kept bottled up inside. And, and that goes for you as well, lovely listener. Uh, are you a woman working in the beverage industry, dealing with all these issues? Does any of this ring true to you, what I've been talking about? If you want to email me, I'm at info at othercwords.com. 
I'd love to hear how you're dealing with these changing times, if you're willing to share. And join us next time. Next episode is when we will be going into the details of our company's origin story. Why did we choose to make cider in the first place? How we answered those basic starting a business questions and why we decided to name it South City Cider in general. In the meantime, please subscribe, rate, and review to help out this little podcast. Five stars goes an amazingly long way and I so appreciate your support. For more information about me and this podcast, visit us online at othercwords.com. Talk to you soon and thanks so much for listening.